0: Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. In today's episode, we give a general overview, a high-level overview of the World Cup draw. We go group by group, talk about the narratives of each group, which teams can make it out of the group, and just generally what this World Cup is going to look like. At the end of the show, we also talk about the current situation with Chelsea's ownership bids, which bids, which ownership groups seem the most likely to take over the historic Premier League club after Roman Abramovich had to let it go. So definitely stick around for that as well. Check out our Twitter at Final Third Show and our website FinalThirdShow.com. Leave a review if you enjoy the show. And yeah, hope you like it. All right, welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday. It is our news and predictions episode, and we're here to talk about a lot of great things that have happened in the soccer world, both on and off the field. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, AJ Tabura, fan of Minnesota United, which did not go well this weekend, West Ham United, which did go well this weekend, and the U.S. national team, which we'll be talking a little bit more in depth about later on this episode. So I'm feeling pretty good, even though I am feeling a little under the weather, so I apologize if. My voice sounds a little nasally, but as always, I'm joined by my other co-host, Jack. Jack, how, are, how have your teams been doing this weekend?
1: Uh, all L's. Well, let's just <laughs> yes, uh, yes. literally uh, the <laughs> only the only positive is that Chelsea women beat Reading five to zero. Good uh, job. Sam Kerr brace, Bethany England brace. Good performance. And they're still top of the FA Women's Super League. But, um, you know, Chelsea, I'm a fan of Chelsea. Um, the Rudiger goal was good. Um,
0: I th- yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's uh, the, f- the furthest goal <laughs> that, has, that has happened yeah. in the past, like, 15 years. Uh, really? Yeah, I, th- I think I saw, I, saw, like, I pulled the stat, but that was, a, that was a crazy, crazy goal from so far out. Well, and then it was immediately followed by, Jack, if you want to continue.
1: No, I, I think it's best to not continue <laughs> that one, but uh, let's just say that it didn't go well for Chelsea. Uh, Atalanta. We're, we're we're I don't want to talk about Atlanta, you know. We're we're following the trend on the show of not talking about Atalanta as they lost to Napoli. Um, Minnesota United, of course, lost, and uh, yeah. So uh, I'm also a fan of the U.S. men's national team and the French national team, which took we're we're in better hands, I guess you could say. Yes, yes. <laughs> so at least there's international soccer.
0: Yeah. I, I did just look up the stat. Rudiger's strike was the longest, uh, rain strike in Chelsea's, uh, history for the past fifteen years. So yeah.
1: well, you know, give him whatever contract he wants. I don't care. Pay don't, pay him pay him nine million dollar, uh, nine million pounds a year like he wants. I, I don't really care. He needs to be there. <laughs>
0: I'll be honest. I I think I think he's going. I think he's not the best center far, back surely. in
1: the world. He's the best center back in the world. He's so good. he's uh, he, pretty good. He he's the best. N- name one better center back. Virgil Van Dyke. Nah. nah. Ruben Diaz? Nah.
0: Michael Boxel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He yeah. didn't score an own goal. So, I mean, there is that. <sighs> the
0: <hell>? Yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about Minnesota United. Uh, let's instead talk about some crazy, crazy news that has happened this past week. Namely, Jack, the Chelsea ownership bid updates that have been circulating the news. And the thing that's probably been catching everybody's attention this this past week, which is the World Cup draw because we have 29 of the 32 teams decided and that means that the draw has taken place. We know which teams, when they qualify, will face against which teams and there's a lot to talk about because it was a crazy, crazy draw. A lot of cool storylines, a lot of great opportunities for upsets, some favorites going all the way. So we thought, you know, we should talk about the draw at a high level, right, because to be honest, there's it's because of, of it's being played in Qatar, it's still months and months out. Not until November will the first games kick off. So we don't know the makeup of a lot of these teams. For example, the USA team, there could be at least like four players that just come out of nowhere. We don't know how this, this team's going to look. So, you know, a high level overview of the groups, but an overview nonetheless. Jack, should we get things started with Group A?
1: Yeah, well, before we do that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Check out our website, finalthirdshow.com. Uh, yeah, but yes, we should get started with, yeah. uh, with Group A.
0: Actually, now, now that you interrupt me, I'm going to interrupt myself, because I want to talk about <laughs> the actual draw itself. Jack,
1: did you oh, subject
0: yourself to watching the, the draw? The, the,
1: the long, drawn-out torture of watching that draw? Yeah, uh, my God.
0: <laughs> it, it was, yeah, I, I, I was in work, so I, I, I wasn't like, you know, Listening to it with such intensity, right? But I was still, I still had it on in the background and I I started watching it at like 11 because 11 local times when like draw started. And I don't think the actual like draw, draw part of it started until like 11.40. It was like the most self congratulatory, uh, ceremony of FIFA that they possibly could have had it had Idris Elbow was there. That was the that was probably the best part, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's but, pretty good.
0: <laughs> but it was like they kept on bringing up how good soccer is, like like how how much good they bring. It's like equality and it's like peace efforts around the world.
1: Oh yeah, while holding the World Cup in Qatar, yeah,
0: yeah, great yeah. great work. <laughs> and it was so weird because uh, that that like it, even with with the 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 Qatari leader, I'm I'm forgetting the actual uh term for uh uh is it Sheikh? I I, I I I'm not sure. Could, yeah. be. C- could be, could be. When he's on, I was like, man, this guy seems like a cool guy, and like everything that they were putting on was like, man, this is like pretty cool. And then you like think about it for like five seconds, <laughs> and it, if you're into soccer at all, you're like, man, literal slaves like built this infrastructure, like it, to the point where they they don't even have the infrastructure to uh, support having people that don't have tickets to the games. Like they will not approve visas for people who will be in qatar that aren't there for for the games like you have to have a ticket to get into the the country which is just so like like weird to me it really speaks to how haphazardly this world cup has been put on and i don't know i i I don't like the draw other than actual draw bit but even that was kind of like um, weird
1: i here here's my problem with it just even even for the last the last teams in each of the groups why do you have to draw the ball out of the thing? Why yeah. do you have to do that? There, there's one place for them to go. Like you don't need to go through and go for another. It it feels like 25 seconds for each of those. Yeah. You know? uh, why? What's the or, point?
0: <laughs> or, or, or when they drew the the placement of, mm-hmm. of the the team, like like at the beginning, uh, for for all of the pot pot A teams, pot one, whatever. Yeah. Uh, whenever they would, like, choose the group, they'd also have to be, like, oh, and they'll be, uh, the top seat, so they'll be, like, A1, right? Yeah. And so the ball was, like, red, and they still had them, like, you know, do the music, like, do the dramatic untwisted, yeah. but we all knew what the result was gonna be. <laughs> uh, well, it, what's the
1: point? It, it's so drawn out, and I Dude guess it's to, get, it, it's to give it, like, this idea of, like, formality or whatever, but, oh, my God. I... I, I would have, I would not have stayed in there for that long, you know, it, I, I was almost tempted to turn it off halfway through, but I was like, I'll watch until I see what, uh, what the full group for the U S is. And then that ended up being the whole thing pretty much. So I was like, well,
0: (laughs) no, like it was, yeah, I, I, I get formality. I, I understand, which is why I was okay with like them talking about whatever their efforts with uh peace and and their efforts in like the footballing world but you know i i could i could do without the some of the song and dance like the literal song and dance like i yeah. I, I understand like like it's qatar like that they want they want to show like the cultural music and stuff that's fine there there was a, there was a lot more else like uh having the the, the president uh, up there of fifa i was like all right it doesn't have to be this formal it's okay whatever well, okay, let's actually talk about uh, the groups instead of complaining about the draw, even though the draw was very complainable. Let's start with Group A, which uh, consists of Qatar, who are the hosts, so they are in Pot A. Uh, the Pot B team was uh, Netherlands, followed by Senegal, and then Ecuador. And so, this is an interesting group. Uh, all, every single team from the other pots, Pot 2, 3, 4, wanted to be in Group A. For the sole purpose of that Pot A team, the Pot 1 team, being Qatar. Because when you look at other Pot 1 teams like Brazil, Argentina, England, those are much harder teams to face than Qatar. Even though Qatar is the the, the current Asian champion, it's pretty clear that in that particular group of teams, they are the worst of the bunch. Jack, what do you see out of Group A here?
1: Uh, well, I think I see a few interesting things, you know, you've got a lot of solid teams in this group, you know, I think, I think people are like, oh, this is an easy group for the Netherlands at first. I saw a lot of that on Twitter and I was like, anything but really, you know, you've got Senegal, current AFCON champions, right? Qatar, current champions of Asia. And then you've got Ecuador who finished third in CONMEBOL World Cup qualifying,
0: I think it was actually fourth.
1: Did they, did they drop down to fourth on the final yes, day? Yes, yes. <sighs> Even then, though, that, that fourth and CONMEBOL is still pretty impressive when, when you consider the strength of that conference. And ch- like, I, I, I think it's pretty impressive that, that they were able to make it through that. And uh, I, I think this is, a, is going to be a lot tougher group than people, rec- than people are re- recognizing right now, You know, uh, especially Senegal in there you know maybe they didn't impress many in the actual qualifying round versus Egypt but i still think they're a solid team and i am I'm, I'm excited to see senegal versus netherlands and also to see what ecuador are going to do
0: yeah i i think uh this this group is underrated and i think a lot of the groups are pretty evenly matched this group might be the outs, the, the outlier but still it's a, it's a good group uh, I, I agree with with senegal i think it, it was a little bit of a blip with uh, Egypt. Th- that that in- entire qualifying round was just insane. Did, did you see all of the laser pointers that were happening during the penalty shootout throughout the game? Like, that was. Yeah. It, it was just a cursed game all around.
1: But I will say, I, I, th- I, I seem to remember looking on Twitter a bunch of Senegal fans pointing out that Egypt also was shining lasers at the goalkeeper. It was only a few uh, in the first round. Like, in the first leg of it, yeah, yeah, but I feel like that's a I, that's a bit of an excessive uh reaction to it uh oh absolutely, and but. also like but how do you even address that like that that's the thing, like how do you properly address it it's it's like near impossible to
0: i I mean, I feel like most uh lazy pointers are have metal in them, so I feel like that should be picked up by the metal detectors, yeah.
1: Yeah, but once they're in there, right, like, uh, right. you know, how, how do you how do you uh, stop that? Like, do you just like have a cardboard wall that goes up around the goal and prevents <laughs> the lasers from going through it? Personally,
0: I think that every single player, like their jerseys and like uh, they should wear glasses that are just mirrors. Right. So whenever <laughs> someone sh- shoots a laser, point, it reflects right back at them.
1: Uh, genius, actually. Genius. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Give
0: me on that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Senegal, I think, should be a good team. The Netherlands, I think, are a sleeping giant, really. I, I, I think that when, you know, when they were coached by, like, what, Frank de Boer, bad team, right? Yeah. Now that they've actually cleaned up in qualifying, I think that they have the tools to be a good team. Like they, they have the likes of Virgil van Dijk as their captain, Frankie de Jong, like a lot of, like, these young or experienced players that could lead them to victory. Ecuador, as you mentioned, you know, not the biggest name in uh, South America, but still very uh, talented. If I did, had to guess, two teams to come out of this, I would go with Senegal and the Netherlands. Would you yeah.
1: agree? Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I think, I, I I think the Netherlands probably come out on top of that group as well over Senegal, but I feel like it. Those are the two easier ones to pick out from yeah. here.
0: All right, let's move on to Group B which is made up of uh from uh pot pot 1 England, pot 2 United States, pot 3 Iran and pot 4 will be whoever wins the U- UEFA path A which will be either uh Ukraine, Scotland or Wales, Wales being the most likely of the three as they are already in the final of path A plus they are you know the strongest team of uh the bunch uh, what I think is really interesting is that when you look at the group,, uh, the, the group's strength by looking at their ElO ELO rankings and taking an average of that, Group B is among the hardest of th- these uh, of these groups, among the, the strongest ELO rankings, assuming that it's whales that qualify through, uh, they'd be third with an average ElO ranking of 1880.5. But at the same time, it really seems evenly matched for all of the teams that aren't named England. Like, uh, when you, I, I saw an ELO model that basically said that England, to get to the round 16, they have like an 80% chance, which makes sense. They're England, and they are head and shoulders above all the other three teams. But then Iran, United States, and likely Wales, basically all had 30% chances, like, across the board. So... It was. It's pretty evenly matched for that second place spot in this group, or maybe first place spot. Who knows? We've seen England uh be bad before, so Spe- Jack,
1: especially in some international tournaments. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah. So Jack, how do you rate the United States chances, and wh- what do you think about Iran, England, and Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine?
1: I I think that this is going to be an interesting group. Uh, people have already pointed out that U.S. versus England is going to be played on Black Friday, which yes. is going to be huge because you know, you're not going to have your uh, Thanksgiving football games on, right? You're not going to have the college football games on because those on rivalry week are on Saturday, Sunday. Yes. So you have just got a day where it's just going to be soccer on as the main sport. Yeah. And that's huge. You know, that that's, that's pretty cool to, to have. And I I think it's going to attract a lot of numbers. I think, That it's probably going to be the most watched group stage match. Uh, like worldwide. I I think it will be the most watched.
0: I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. It's two good teams going against each other on a on a Friday, no less, in the United States, uh Black Friday. I'm gonna say Good Friday. That's not that's not the case. Yeah. You know, it will be a good Friday for all all of the neutrals watching for sure, because that'd be a fun match to see. Uh yeah. And then
1: and then, you know, you've got political uh, connotations yeah, the, behind the, this too the, the,
0: the entire group is a, a geopolitical uh-huh yep. you know, i wouldn't say a mess but it, it's it's pretty uh humorous I, I yeah uh
1: u.s versus england u.s versus iran england versus iran uh england versus either scotland or potentially wales uh ukraine Ukraine doesn't really match up nicely as like a, a geopolitical rival yeah, at all. But it's like it, it is but,
0: Ukraine. Yeah, you know. Right? So, <laughs> so there's something there. Yeah. yeah.
1: There. This is this is a really strange uh, group. It, it's it strange for uh, and like in a good way, I guess. Like the yeah. the way that this played out is almost as comedic as it could possibly be. I uh, I think the only way you get it to be more so like that is. I don't know if 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 it was possible to have like Saudi Arabia in that in that fourth spot.
0: Yeah. That
1: like that that would be that would be a wild group. That that would just yeah. be a wild group.
0: Or if somehow Russia was able to qualify and and oh they were God. that that last <laughs> that last spot. Yeah. It it would have been it would have been not so. Yeah. Uh, but I I look at this group and I I really think that as good as Wales are, I think, just in my mind, they will be outside looking in. I think that the last spot will be either Iran or the United States. I think a lot of U.S. fans are underrating Iran a little bit. Uh, they've, they've really showed out in the last couple of, of World Cups, really giving them their all. Uh, from what I've seen from a lot of uh, Irani fans, the defense could be suspect at times, but they have a pretty good attack from what, from what it looks like so it all comes down to how the united states prepares for how how iran plays over the this summer fr- uh, friendlies and the likes i'll still go with england and the united states going on because i will be a homer here and i'm just you know I'm, I'm just happy that we're here uh and i really think that we could make a run towards the knockout rounds jack
1: yeah, I, I agree. I think that makes the most sense for England first, U.S. second. Uh, although I will have to say, U.S. Soccer's post uh, outlining uh, England as their opponent, I'm not sure if you saw it, but the key players they out. listed, um, Raheem Sterling, sure. Yes, yeah. Um, Harry Kane, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Stones. Um, a bit, bit odd. Yeah, a bit odd. Uh, Jordan Henderson. A bit uh, odd. yeah. That that those were the four that they listed that they featured. I I probably would have gone for players like I don't know, maybe like Trent Alexander-Arnold or Yeah. Uh you know, may may maybe someone like Mason Mount or Declan Rice. Players yeah. that have a better chance of playing maybe <laughs> uh just a bit odd maybe maybe they should have done some more research on the opponents before posting information about the opponents
0: right that's all i right. gotta say i <laughs> i should say the same about england's media right now which is you know kind of kind of outlines what happened in 2010 when when england yeah. drew united states into the world cup group and we're like oh it's gonna be an easy group oh that's my very shackle. and then I'm rob sorry. green happened yes and we won 1-1 so that was fun. And maybe it'll happen again. Who knows? Uh, before I'd take move a 1-1 on,
1: one, one draw there.
0: I, I, I would too, but I'd, I'd love to get a win there. I would <sighs> love, love.
1: Because I, then because then the sport officially gets called soccer, right? That's, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. There's
0: no, there's no other choice. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I do want to highlight the United States qualifying. We qualified on Wednesday uh, thanks to a 2-0 loss to Costa Rica, not being a 6-0 Ooh. loss. Yeah and that loss got a lot of people mad uh frightfully so uh to a certain point it was not a great w- loss at all uh visibly tired a lot of our players started all three matches namely like people like anthony robinson and tyler adams started all three matches went 90 minutes for uh almost all of them so you know uh, e- even though costa rica played a lot of their youth a lot of uh early 20-year-olds, uh, teenagers on the on the pitch, and we still lost. Still haven't won in Costa Rica, so it was a tough loss, but we still qualified, and that's what mattered, and even though we weren't at the top of our game throughout the last uh, couple months, or well, we were pretty good last couple months, but the, the, throughout the entire qualifying, it wasn't as good as some people hoped, which is understandable. There are a lot of different uh, analysis that you could do on this team to uh, criticize the team, to say that we need to do this better, this player doesn't belong here. And that's all well and good. We've said our piece on Greg Berhalter. We've said our piece on some players that we don't think uh, deserve to be called up anymore. Even, team, even players that uh, I'm still casually a fan of, like Sebastian Leggette, Right. We said our piece, but at the same time, Jack and I were happy on Wednesday. Yes. And that's something that, I, I don't know, I, I, I tweeted a bunch on Wednesday because I, I was so confused why people were still found sadness on, uh, during the day that we qualified, even though it's going to be the one di- night. It was the one night in a 16-year span because we haven't qualified since 2014. We won't qualify on merit until 2030 and to, to to take that night and still be sad it's a little wild don't you think jack
1: uh yeah i think so as well especially when you consider a few things with the costa rica performance like yes we lost the last time we played there in world cup qualifying we lost 4 to 0 right like yeah, we we, I'm he, we improved it, yes. we improved and people are like oh but we should have done better because this is the most talented group of players in our in history like that we have so CONCACAF is still a tough conference. Like people need to people need to also understand that talent isn't everything. And sometimes experience building up that experience is key as well. You know, playing away in CONCACAF is tough. And I, I think people forget that a lot. Uh, and like you said, just be happy. Like, come on. <laughs> right. we, 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 we did something that we haven't done since 2014 right right we it has been eight years since we were able to say we qualified to the world cup eight years and honestly like people are like this this this, this is barely even a success I, i'm like a success is a success uh i'm not i'm not sure what metric you're using like maybe it wasn't the most pretty but sometimes that's what happened like do you think portugal fans are just absolutely just astounded and like absolutely hate their team entirely for for qualifying to the world cup through the playoffs i'm sure some some fans might be like a little upset at the manager but at the same time they care that they qualified right yeah you have to you have to you have to get there to have to have any say in it right so i, I don't know I, th- I feel like people just need to be a lot less toxic in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I I don't know where this narrative that CONCACAF is easy came from, and that we should like qualify with with uh, flying colors, and the, the, there's no excuse to not like dominating the the entire a, entire region. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people got carried away when we won those tournaments in in uh the summer, and mm-hmm. and you know we were very happy. But at the same time, I don't think we ever went as far as some people to say, like, we are the kings of CONCACAF, Like, we are better than Mexico. Even when, like, the, the FIFA rankings came out and people were like, why is Mexico ranked above the U.S.? I'd be like, yeah, Mexico is still better. Like, over this entire, uh, entire World Cup qualifying, we've seen, like, how difficult it is to win away from home. And that is a weakness of the U.S., but it's also a weakness for literally everybody else. The top four teams... There's only one home loss between all of them, and that was Costa Rica to Mexico uh, right at the early uh, half of uh, the qualifying. That's it. These are good teams that play very well in front of a very, very home-friendly crowd when they play at home, and we need to understand that. And... Again, there are a ton of weaknesses about the U.S., which we'll dive into more in the future, especially as we begin to address the Nations League and what we need to do to address some of these issues, namely, you know, issues in attack uh, in our striker position, issues in uh, attacking fluidity uh, in our identity there. But at the same time, we're here, we qualified and it. it, it it's, it's just kind of, I made fun of a lot of people for, for pretending like, like them criticizing the team is going to change anything. Like, yes, as a fan, like we, ha- we, we have a voice, but not to the, the degree where if we complain about Christian Roldan getting called up enough, he'll not get called up. Like, that's not how that works. And yeah. I, I, I think it's crazy to, to think that that's the case. And I think that it's crazy to let a team... Dictate your happiness. Okay, you know, you know. Let, let me get real for like for like two minutes right All now. Right. Okay, right. If you and I'm talking to U.S. men's national team fans, if you are getting so upset about the team and where the team is, that you can't celebrate an accomplishment, like you can't find any happiness in it, and and cheering on the team is causing you to be more upset than happy then why are you following the team? And I say that as a fan who has been very upset at this team and other teams before, right? I, I, I've been upset at teams like the Timberwolves, my, my favorite basketball team, teams like Minnesota United, teams like, yes, the US national teams, both the men and the women. But if it ever came to the point where it was every time I thought about the team, I was getting upset or sad or as angry to the point where like, more than whenever i thought about the team more than 50% of the time i was upset by it i would not follow the team anymore cuz life is too short to be dictated by a game i know that soccer is bigger than than the game or whatever and it's it's bigger than whatever but at the same time like the us is going to be there if you want to come back to it you don't really owe the team anything and so if it's really causing you to be upset then you know, take care of yourself first. It, like, it, it really doesn't matter. I, I'm saying this not because I'm angry that, that fans are toxic, that I want them to be all positive all the time. I, I honestly genuinely care about what these fans are going through because it really seems like they're miserable and they're making themselves miserable. You don't have to do that. Because when I look at, at fans that do that, it bums me out, yes. But w- when fans are miserable and toxic... It sucks for them the most. And when I see them visibly upset and I see them visibly, visibly sad and you know, air that out, I'm not angry at them. I just feel pity for them. Like, like Genuinely, I just feel sad that, they, that they're forcing themselves to go through this when they very clearly haven't felt happiness in I don't know how long, at least about the U.S. national team. So, I don't know. That's just how I think about it. Uh, the U.S. men's national team. We talked about Group B for a while. Jack, England and United States going through from Group B. We both agree with that?
1: Yep, exactly, yeah.
0: All right, well, Group C is a toughie. Uh, I, I think it's an underrated toughie. Uh, Argentina, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, and Poland make up the teams. I, I, I feel like A lot of people really underrate Asian teams here. Saudi Arabia is definitely one of them. I think they have a lot of domestic talent, but at the same time, I can see them going far. Jack, how do you rate their chances and everyone else's chances in this group?
1: Uh, Saudi Arabia, yeah, they're a solid team, but we also saw at last World Cup that didn't quite work out for them uh, all that well. I believe it was them who lost 5-0 to to Russia in the opening game. Uh,
0: yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you've got Argentina versus Mexico, which I know one of my friends, that is the game they are most looking forward to, uh, which I, I can see it. You know, I think that's going to be an exciting one to watch. Uh, Poland's also in this group as well. I, I saw a few Polish fans uh, talking about how you know every time they make it to international tournaments, it's great, but they always disappoint at those tournaments. They feel like a little bit of underperformance, and you know that uh, Robert Lewandowski is getting up there in age. You you begin to think maybe this might be his last World Cup. Uh, who knows if that's the case, but it could be. Uh, so you've got potentially two legendary attackers retiring uh from international games this could be the la- uh messi and uh lewandowski's last world cup and i i think that this group seems pretty exciting because i i'm not going to lie i don't rate saudi arabia's chances particularly high against these teams yeah uh but i think any two of argentina mexico and poland make it through uh, I think Argentina are a chief contender to win to win that group because Mexico has backslided a little bit in recent years compared to where they used to be I think. Uh and Poland yes they have some good players but they also have an aging defense that doesn't really have any solutions at the moment. Uh but I I I'm I'm excited to see where this group goes but as far as predictions go I'm going to say Argentina get first in this group. And I'm going to say Poland get second actually. Oh wow. I I think Mexico has backtracked a, quite a bit in the last year. Like yes, they are still a good team. And yes, I know they they finished above the US in qualifying. But I also feel like they haven't they were never really particularly impressive during qualifying. Like there were no wins where I uh, that they had where I was fully like, oh yeah, Mexico, Mexico is 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 a powerhouse, you know. There yeah. there weren't any performances like that.
0: At the same time, though, it it really does feel like Mexico's mo to kind of crap out in the World Cup qualifying and have a really good World Cup. Uh, uh, I think I think well. back to I think back to 2014 when it took what was it a Matt Besler goal. Uh or uh some uh uh U.S. uh defender scoring?
1: I think it was Bessler, yeah.
0: For 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 them to uh uh qual- no, it, it was I remember it was it was uh Zusi because they had uh San Zusi as like uh the saying or whatever. Yeah, I I distinctly remember that. Okay. They, they were so close, so so close to to missing out in the World Cup. Got saved by Zusi, and then went on. A, a good run again they didn't make it past the round of 16 yeah i was gonna do. say
1: that's what that's why i kind of made a face when uh you said have a good world cup because uh mexican yeah. fans will well will well be aware of the round of 16 curse yeah. where, well, well
0: to be fair to be fair no era penal it should have been a penalty well, I'll, I'll, true, I'll give a, i'll give him that so it theoretically they got that got out of the group that was pretty good and they should have gone further so Still, I, I, I'd go with Argentina because they walked over Conmebol uh, qualifying. They got 39 points. Third was 28. So, th- so they did very well. They obviously uh, won uh, the Copa America this past summer. So they are still continuing on that good form. Mexico usually just show up in, in World Cups because uh, the round of 16 curse isn't just a, a curse to n- never make it past the round of 16. It means that they have to be in the round of 16 every single. Uh, I guess so. I guess <laughs> every so. Every single World Cup. So so they'll at least be there. Uh, and Poland, Saudi Arabia, I think are good teams. I don't think they have what it takes to make it to that next level. All right, Jack, Group D, a, a, a group that you will take great interest in because it's France, Denmark, Tunisia, and the AFC Conway Bowl winners, which will be either uh, the representatives from AFC that will be in this playoff will be either the UAE. Or Australia. Those two will play. And then they'll face uh, the Conway Bowl fifth place team, which is Peru. And as it currently stands, I think the strongest of those three teams will be Peru. And it helps that Peru is also in the final of that kind of playoff. So they have them are the most likely to move on, uh, just statistically. But Jack, as a French fan, you gotta like this group, right? I mean I mean, yes, Denmark is a very tough team, especially with Christian Erickson finding Red hot form. Let's see if he can continue on to the World Cup with that. But overall, like it's not a terrible group, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Um, I I just think it's a very funny group as well because, uh, France in the 2018 World Cup, their opponents were Denmark, Peru, and Australia. That was their group. Yeah. That was their group in 2018. So they have won but potentially two of those teams in the group again, and then Tunisia in there. And personally compare it compared to Australia and Peru. I think Tunisia is a little bit weaker than those two teams. Like, yes, Tunisia is very good. Still uh, have been very good in Africa recently, but also I would say less, uh, less powerful than, uh, than some of those other teams. But France versus Denmark is the headline game in here. Obviously, I I th- I think that that's going to be a really interesting one to see because both of those two teams finished World Cup qualifying undefeated in, uh, in uh, UEFA. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm I'm going to uh, Denmark did it with winning all ten games. I believe right. they were the only team to win every single game in qualifying. Could be running that, but I believe they are the only team to win every that sounds single. Sounds about round. right. Sure, uh, you know that—that's impressive stuff. And I—I uh, I still think that regardless of who makes it out of that playoff, I think France win the group. I know how how terrible of a prediction that can be because of the champions curse. You know, we've talked about two groups, two curses, uh, but. It's been well documented that after you win the World Cup, the next year you go out at the group stage. Italy win in two thousand six, go out in the group. Uh, Spain win two thousand ten, go out in the group in twenty fourteen. Germany win twenty fourteen, go out in the group in twenty eighteen. Uh, but that being said, correlation does not equal causation. I'm, I'm I, I know my statistics, so I'm right. going to I'm going to hope for the best on that. And France are still a very good team. Denmark have looked very good, but we've also seen them look kind of weak, like against the Netherlands, right? They didn't look all that fantastic or convincing against them. So I, I think that they still have some weaknesses that they have to iron out and France maybe as well. But you know, if they, if they call up Olivier Giroud, he'll get the goals, oh, two games, two goals, the last international break. So I don't know what to say. Uh, maybe, maybe correlation does equal causation. No. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, France and Denmark are probably the two favorites to make out of this group, and that's the order I would choose for first and second.
0: I think so, too. I did check uh, Denmark's uh, World Cup qualifying record. They lost the very last game, which is one of the Ah. most dead rubber games that you could think of against Scotland. So Okay. But but still, that That doesn't count. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's not indicative of their strength. They're a very strong team, especially with Christian Eriksen back in the fray. I, I think that when you compare to other groups in the past where the champions were in it, that this is definitely an easier group for the previous champions to play in. Like Peru and Tunisia, very, very uh, good teams. Uh, Peru, uh, I, I think, being the stronger of, of the playoff teams, have the most likely chance. Uh, at the same time, though, not so, so impressive in CONMEBOL qualifying. Tunisia had to take... Only a, a, a 1-0 win over Mali to make it here. So really, when you look at these teams, the biggest competition is Denmark. Maybe if they drop some points to Denmark and they lose to like Peru or Tunisia or whoever it's going to be, they'll be in trouble. But really, like, I, I, I don't see the champion's curse continuing as, as much I hope, as it, I hope not. As much as it pains me, because it'll be very funny for me to hop onto this podcast oh, come God. November and, and uh, see you be sad. The U.S. goes on to the quarterfinals or whatever, and France gets stuck in third place in Group D. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Or maybe I'm not kidding. I don't know. Haven't decided yet. I,
1: I hope not. I If, if that does happen, here, here's what I'll say. I'm going to speak in French the entire the entire podcast episode that time. you You're, you're going to have to translate it. I'm sorry, that's just the rules.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and guess what? Even if they crash out fourth place, Didier Deschamps will still not be fired. He's unfireable, apparently. He is eternal. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's move on to another interesting team, Group E, which consists of Spain, Germany, Japan, and the CONCACAF OFC winners, which uh, that playoff will be contested between Costa Rica and uh, New Zealand and Qatar in uh june yes 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 jack crazy crazy i i think that this might be the closest to the group of death other than potentially group g or group h but but this is a this is a good team this is this is a good uh team of teams i should say spain germany obviously two european powerhouses japan after starting their world cup qualifying slow really picked up the pace and Did not drop pretty much any points. And then the likelihood of Costa Rica, New Zealand. I would lean towards Costa Rica winning that. But it's a one-off game. Anything can happen. But ever since they also started slow in qualifying, they have just been resurgent under their uh, new head coach. And it's just been lights out for them. Almost missed out on the World Cup completely, but then really ironed their place in the fourth place spot. Jack, this is still likely Spain and Germany going on, right? Probably. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. I mean, Japan, they did, give, uh, they, they did give the teams that they faced a fight in every single game. So I, I wouldn't put it past them to say that, you know, they, they could make something happen, right? Uh, they, they definitely could do something. But at the same time, I'm not going to put any money on that sort of thing. You know, I, I think that Japan, solid enough team. But when you look at Spain and Germany... Both of them are very, very good, right? So uh Japan, they uh, they played in a group last time, Colombia, Senegal, and Poland. They beat Colombia, drew against Senegal, and lost to Poland. Uh, drawing against Senegal and beating Colombia were not bad results to get at all. So uh, could they do that against Spain and Germany? Potentially, but... Uh, I actually saw someone make a point about Spain and Germany and actually called them two of the favorites to win the World Cup. And their argument actually made a lot of sense. So I'm going to so I'm going to share it here. Uh, Spain and Germany. Right. They they have a lot of players that play together on the club level. Right. Germany has a lot of players that play together for Bayern uh, and a few that play together for Chelsea. Spain has a lot that play together for in like Spanish clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona the world cup is going to be held in the middle of a season with only one week break between the end, like the midpoint right. of the club season and yeah. the actual world cup chemistry is tough to get, uh, between players. It's tough to build that up, especially after like playing with your club for a little bit. So they're going to, have, those teams are going to have an advantage. Like think about Germany having, uh, you know, Thomas Muller, Sane, uh, Sané, uh why can't I think of other German players on Bayern? It should be easy. Kimmich, Goretzka, uh, you know, all, Neuer, all of those players play together <laughs> at the club level and that's going to make it a lot easier for them. And they're coached by their former manager that took them to be one of the best sides in club football in the past few decades. Right. Right? So that that seems like that I could I could see Germany being A solid favorite for this uh, entire tournament, honestly. Uh, But as far as who I think is going to make it out of this group, I'm putting Germany first, Spain second.
0: Okay. I I like it. I I think I agree, too. I think Costa Rica has an outside chance. I think Japan has an outside chance. But for those reasons that you mentioned, I think think those are, are, are very valid reasons to back these two teams, not just as winners of the group, but also potential winners of this entire tournament because Germany and Spain, like, like you mentioned, very good with cohesion, just very good teams overall. Germany, boss Group J, in the World Cup qualifying did not have uh, the best of Euro tournaments, but still you know, ha- have a uh, good form going into the, this World Cup, potentially going uh, from the, the, the summer games that they'll play. Spain, a little bit harder... But they have a lot of very exciting young players. Just the, the one that comes to mind right now is Pedri, who was a game-changer, not just in past Euros, but for the, for the Barcelona team that you mentioned, we'll ha- we'll call on, uh, the Spain will call on a lot of players from him. He's been great for them, too. Uh, a lot of uh, a Spanish uh, players showed out well for the Nations League finals that happened uh, last fall. So uh, you know, a lot of good talent overall. Uh, but speaking of age i just looked it up japan has the second oldest team that they'll take they'll take 27.8 is the average age in years and that's cool if you are an experienced team who has a lot of top level players who are in their prime like say portugal who are number one but japan did not have like that level of players across the world across the top league so for that reason i think that them being older and experienced is it, it going to help them as much as, say, Brazil, who is also up there, because we know Brazil is talented. We know that their experience is second to none, so that actually helps them. Maybe not so much Japan, so I'll go with that. All right, Group F, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Tough, tough group for Canada. I think that Belgium and Croatia will be looking on that favorably. A zishless Morocco might see this as an opportunity to get some points from Canada too. But still, Canada is a good team. I could see them picking up three or four points and potentially making a challenge through. Jack, what do you think about this?
1: I think that this is a very interesting group. Uh, Belgium and Croatia, you know, you've got second and third place in the last World Cup in this group alone. Uh, that That's pretty crazy to think about, you know, second and third place. Uh, Morocco did crash out in the group stage. I believe they were last in their group. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but I believe they were last in their group, uh, which not a great showing, you know, uh, not a great showing at all. Uh, that being said, I, I think that they are both solid teams. Canada, also exciting. But I think Belgium is still the favorite to make it through this group on top. Uh, I think both Belgium and Croatia have regressed since the 2018 World Cup, but they're both still good teams. Uh, Belgium, specifically, I think that I think that Belgium is is going to top this group. You know, they've got a lot of talented players in there. They've got Lukaku, which maybe not on form for Chelsea, but is still a very good striker. They've got Kevin De Bruyne, uh, probably the best attacking midfielder in in the entire. Uh, game today uh that that that's pretty solid the only thing that they really have to fix is the defense, but they've started to address that you know uh denier coming in uh a few a few other players uh that have started to play for Belgium coming through i i think I think it looks pretty it looks pretty solid for them. I think that Croatia will get second but just barely I think Canada is going to challenge for that second place spot uh I I don't think that that it's as tough of a group as some people are making it out to be because Croatia uh in the Nations League the the past time around they almost got relegated from the top tier of it actually. I uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you if you knew that. They they were yeah. 1 point away from being relegated from the top tier of the Nations League. I think losing out to Sweden, I want to say, I uh but either way, it, it was not impressive from them in that at all. And they haven't looked that impressive really since then. Uh, I I like a lot of the Croatian players, you know, Mateo Kovacic, Mario Pasolich. I like both of them a lot. But I also think it's undoubtable that they have regressed since right. that 2018 World Cup. I, I'm not expecting a run to the finals from them. Modric is 36 now. I think he'll be 37 by the time he plays in the World Cup if he does. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still going to say they barely beat out Canada for that second place spot. Canada getting third and Morocco, another last place finish in the group, I think.
0: Hmm. I, I honestly could see Morocco beating out Canada for that third place spot. I, I, I think Canada is a good team. I could see them going far, but at the same time, like they haven't been here this is still a tough group, no matter how you like slice or dice it. I could I, I could see Canada being a, a close third, but wherever they wherever they land, like wherever it may be, still probably gonna be a good showing, still probably gonna be a, a good first for into the into the World Cup, whether or not they advance to the round of sixteen or not, I don't think that's going to be like the biggest issue uh for them here. Morocco I mean, they probably had the easiest draw in the the calf uh, uh, second round, third round against the Dem- Democratic Republic of the Congo. Even though I do remember saying like, "Oh no, DR Congo could uh, could upset them," and that absolutely didn't have one that when Morocco beat one, them four I to one. I believe second leg, yeah. yeah. So jokes on me, but jokes on Morocco because Croatia and Belgium will be hard to play uh, a lot of croatia's best players are going to be on the older side you mentioned uh paslic and kovacic and uh Modric, kovacic being the youngest of those uh paslic is yeah yeah, by like three months now that i'm looking at it yeah is he
1: really that old paslic
0: paslic is 27 kovacic is 27 paslic is older by three months february to may yes
1: God, I thought he was young. My bad.
0: <laughs> you know who is young? Uh, West Ham's uh, Vlasic. So maybe we'll see him a little bit. Perisic is also oh, yeah, is. old, though, 33. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So, so some of the older players are definitely uh, on this team. Uh, uh, Krameric as well. from of Kramaric, Hoffenheim,
1: yeah. Uh, 30 years old. Rakitic as well, uh, getting up there. So. Yeah.
0: And then you have, like, the defense, which is... Also pretty young. There's some young players. Uh, Kaleta Car for uh, Marseille on the Vardial, younger side. I think, yeah. Uh, L- Lovren, older, obviously. Vita, older, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm going to go with uh, Croatia being second place to Belgium, who has good players, uh, particularly in attack. I'm a big fan of uh, Tielemans and uh, the other Hazard. Uh, Torgen, Torgen, yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, the better, Hazard one, let's say.
1: Well, Christian right Ma- now. Right now. Don't don't disrespect that Ch- the Chelsea legend. Eh, the nah, I'll Hazard disrespect. No, 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 no. Best winner in Premier League history? Uh, I think so.
0: Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think they'll have what it takes. Uh, I think Brazil will have what it takes to top Group G as they're in a group with Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Cameroon, I think, is definitely an underrated side. Uh, just barely beat out Algeria for this spot, but still uh good showing at the afcon tournament this past uh past year Serbia and Switzerland I think are two interesting teams to to be here Switzerland beat out Italy just barely in Group C and Serbia uh also beat out a team that probably should have been here uh in Portugal or should have automatically qualified I should say uh in Portugal so two very I wouldn't say powerhouse teams in Europe but still have quite the chance to put on an upset and continue on jack i'm gonna say that you're gonna say brazil's gonna win this group so who is joining them in the round of 16
1: yeah i mean yeah brazil's going to win this group uh something catastrophic would honestly have to happen for them for them to not second place i it's tough because all three of these you could easily make an argument for them I'm going to say Switzerland make it through out of these three. Switzerland has a lot of solid players on it. We saw and we've seen they can be very impressive in international tournaments. I, I didn't like the fashion that they were in, uh, that they were uh, impressive in, in the latest international tournament they were a part of personally. Um, in that they beat France on penalties. But I, I, I think that, I think that uh, Switzerland have what it takes to get it done. Serbia they're also a good team. Have Dusan Vlahovic with them. I don't think that's enough compared to Switzerland. Honestly, uh, Cameroon. I feel like they could they could make a, a an impressive appearance, especially after that Afcon run. But I I think it's going to be Cameroon and Serbia more on the outside looking in.
0: I will have to agree with you there, even though it really pains me to say. Because I would love to see an African team make it to uh, the World Cup round of 16. Maybe uh, put on a good run. At the same time, though, I I do have to say that Serbia and Switzerland probably are a little bit ahead of Cameroon. Switzerland especially, just on the fact that they have a good team. They've been here before. They've they, they performed well in World Cup qualifying, beating out Italy. Performed well in the Euros. So, I'll go with with Switzerland joining Brazil. And I will have to say that Brazil has to be one of the favorites to win uh, this World Cup alongside the likes of Argentina, Germany, uh, Spain, maybe France, all the usual suspects. But I think if they have a good run here in the group, which I highly doubt that they won't get considering that I think ELO rating-wise that this has to be... I mean, this is, like, the the highest average group uh, for ELO. But I think that just means that Brazil is that good. And then all the other teams are, like, pretty good. But Brazil, I think, are just, like, pretty high above that. So, I agree with Brazil. Uh, Group H is the last group. Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Ghana and United States. I thought it was going to happen again. I really did think it was going to happen again. but it, it didn't.
1: But it Ghana didn't. got just as, uh, as an intense matchup with uh, yes. Uruguay.
0: With Ur- Uruguay, the yep. Luis Suarez handball to knock them out. Quite, quite the narrative there. Uh, I, 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 I'm just glad that, that uh, Uruguay doesn't have to play this in Ghana or anywhere n- uh, near Ghana, per se. So <laughs> lucky, for, l- lucky for them. Uh, but Jack, see, so I'm Ghana. Could they make it? Could South Korea make it? They, they got a good team. I know Uruguay and Portugal probably are seen as the favorites here, but who knows what can happen there?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly think that this is the group of death. I think really? this is the one. Yeah, I think all of these teams are the four most equally matched teams. I'm going to be completely honest, because none of them are like the out-and-out out best in their confederation. They're all very good in their confederation but not the out-and-out out best, right? So uh, Portugal are very good. They had to, they, but their coach holds them back sometimes. We've discussed that in depth on a lot of episodes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, doesn't always get the most out of the attacking talent of that team. Uh, Ghana, you know were were pretty impressive to get here. Have a solid enough team with some good players coming up. Uh, Thomas Partey uh, is very good. He's been playing very well for Arsenal, very well for Ghana. Uh, Uruguay needed some help to qualify as well. Uh, to some, uh, maybe a lucky refereeing decision to to get to the World Cup this time mm-hmm. around. Uh, but South Korea as well had a very impressive campaign in the Asian qualification section. So. I think any of these teams could theoretically make it through. You know, we we've I, I think Portugal will make it through as one of them. But for the other one, I'm actually going to go with South Korea, I think, to make it through over Uruguay or Ghana. Uh, South Korea have looked really impressive lately, and they have a lot of talented players on their team. Uh, their defense maybe needs the most work out of all of it, but otherwise... Like that, their attack with Sun, uh, he, uh, he Hwan Chan, I uh, probably butchered that pronunciation, uh, right. but the, you know they they've got solid players all all around there, and I would love to see South Korea in the round of sixteen.
0: I would too, and that's why I also probably have been going into the round of sixteen. Looking past uh, to the, to the other results that we picked, we only picked one, like, I because I think we had a consensus in every single one. We've only picked one African team and one Asian team, which I guess speaks to the strength of South America and Europe especially. Uh, but I think that a lot of these Asian teams, a lot of these African teams, just got really tough, tough draws, particularly Japan. And I think that really shows how, I wouldn't say lucky South Korea got, but how how big of an opportunity they have with this team. Uruguay aren't exactly the strongest for, compared to where they were before. Portugal, like you said, we talk about their coach ad nauseum, and even though Ghana is a very, very good team, they still are probably a head and shoulder below these other teams. I'm, I'm trying to remember who they even played for. Uh, the spot here in like in cap qualifying. Uh, they played Nigeria and they won on away goals, so not exactly even like the most convincing of wins there. So, I think if there's any group that an Asian team can winning and, and get out of it would have to be group h with south korea you mentioned some players uh but even a, a lot of their like domestic players are pretty good uh kwan chang hoon of uh kim Chan uh, sang Moon. i think we, we've highlighted before uh as a as a, a good player uh as well as you know you mentioned son but uh a, a lot of other good players playing in germany playing for uh wolves you mentioned Chan. Uh, so I, I think there's a good chance that they have what it takes to go through. And yeah, I don't think we should talk about the knockout stage because that's pretty presumptive right now. <laughs> and I'm sure as like the World Cup comes by and, and we get to October and we're actually predicting the tournament, a lot will change. I think, I think that'll be more ripe for us to predict upsets. But as it currently stands, that is the general overview of these groups. The storylines, the political, geopolitical messes, and the general chances that a lot of teams have Jack, let's move on and talk about something else, something that I'm not as familiar with. That I'm sure you could talk about a little bit more, and that is the Chelsea ownership group, uh, bids that are happening right now. Uh, obviously, well, I'll, I'll I'll let you tell the story of how things got uh got here because I don't know too much about it. So I'd love to hear your perspective as a Chelsea fan about where things stand, how he got here in the first place, and yeah, take it away.
1: Yeah, well, uh. As as we've discussed already, Roman Abramovich was going to sell Chelsea after uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and he's currently, uh, a, a bit of an update on that, he's been participating in peace talks between Ukraine and Russia, actually, and uh, was uh, apparently poisoned uh, and had to uh, stay at home for a little bit uh, and was experiencing symptoms of poisoning. So uh, that's a bit of an interesting thing there, but... Uh, I I think that we that, you know, let's talk about the main thing about this. Who's actually in the market for buying the club? Because the government placed Chelsea under sanctions uh, a few weeks ago and ordered Roman Abramovich to sell the club. And now uh, the rain consulting group, it's a U.S.-based bank that is uh, managing the sale of Chelsea. They are supposed to select their preferred bidders by i believe the end of this week and what that means is they want to finalize the sale by the end of april they're going to pick a bidder for chelsea and then have them go through the process present them to the government and try and get them approved as that so let's talk about the three i mean there's a few uh a few uh, bid options in there, but there's really a few main ones. And a lot of them have already been cut out. One of the main ones is, uh, actually the, uh, Woody Johnson bid. And for those of you who have no idea who that is, and just think he has a bit of a funny name, uh, he is the owner of the New York jets. Uh, and apparently he is a very big Chelsea fan. He has a net worth of $5.7 billion. And, uh, Said, uh, when, uh, he was informed that he was no longer, uh, in the running said when I was uh, over in England, I couldn't be a fan of a particular team. I had to be diplomatic. I had to like all the teams, but I was a Chelsea fan. It's London's team. The concept of New York and London, I thought was one that we could do pretty well with that. I thought it would be another interesting endeavor for us, but he was in, He was rejected from making it to the next stage. Uh, he said it was disappointing, but, quote, the numbers have gotten so enormous that on one hand I'm disappointed, and on the other hand, financially, I think it's going to be a huge challenge. So, uh, seems like he, he wasn't really in it for the long term anyway, and I'm going to be honest, as a Chelsea fan... I don't want to be anywhere near the state that the New York jets are in. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with, I'm happy with this. You know, I'm, I'm happy that he's not one there. Also political, political reasons. He was a pretty big, uh, donor to the Trump campaigns in 2016 and 20, not yeah. my personal cup of tea. We'll, we'll just say that, uh, without getting too in the weeds with it. Uh, but we're, we're now at the point where they have selected some bidders to go on to the next round. Uh, another bid that was rejected actually was a Saudi media group, which I'm personally also glad is not, uh, is not one of the bidders because I don't want to be like Newcastle personally. So, uh, the, there's that, but the two main, the three main ones, we've got the Bullion and consortium, which are an American and Swiss buyer there. Uh, and then we've got the, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this. Steven Pagliuca uh, bid. He's the owner of the Boston Celtics, I believe. And then you've got uh, the one that has generated the most attention, negative uh, for the most part, honestly, the Ricketts family. Uh, now, for those of you not familiar with the Ricketts family, they own the Cubs franchise. Also, one of them uh, is the governor of Nebraska, for uh, which is an interesting fact. Uh, but this the about uh fifty to one hundred Chelsea supporters went to Stamford Bridge before the game on Brentford to protest and say uh the say no to Ricketts campaign. Uh, there there has been a lot of momentum about this that people don't want the Ricketts family to buy Chelsea, and the reason why isn't because they're Cubs fans or they own the Cubs. Uh, even though you know maybe maybe that's maybe that's a reason enough to to have that, but uh the main reason is Joe Ricketts who technically isn't involved in it, but is part of the family, uh, had some really, really awful, uh, quotes, uh, so much so that I don't even want to read them because they are, Oh wow. Not, uh, not good. They're very Islamophobic, but to give, to give you a context, he basically says that, uh, Muslims are enemies of Christians and goes on from there. Uh, you you can look them up if you want to. It's pretty disturbing stuff. Uh, he technically has no rule, no role in the bid. He's also eighty, uh, oh, but wow. that also isn't an excuse. I I'd like to say, and uh, still is not is not great. Uh, so I I think that that's a bit a bit of an issue, but. A lot of people have mistrust for American owners with seeing, you know, what the Glazers, the Cronkies, what FSG did at Liverpool, even though I'd argue that FSG, while Americans have not done terrible for Liverpool, and Cronkie has invested a little bit more in Arsenal lately. But the Chelsea Supporter Trust says that 77% of members polled do not want the Ricketts to take over, uh, which is very interesting. But as a result now, they have made promises to Chelsea fans. So you might be interested to hear in some of of these. So they have promised to make no changes to the club's name, badge, or crest without the consent of supporters, uh, to never participate in a European Super League, which I I like that, Uh, commit the resources necessary across all levels of the club to continue winning trophies, uh, put diversity and inclusion at the heart of the club, And fight against any form of discrimination or inequality. Create an advisory committee with diverse representation to to ensure our decisions are informed by a former men's and women's first team player, owners of the Supporters Trust, and Chelsea Pitch owners. And uh, match the current commitment to Chelsea FC women and increase the number of women's matches played at Stamford Bridge, which is a huge thing. Because they currently play at Kingsmeadow Training Ground instead of actually at Stamford Bridge. And finally... Explore every option to redevelop Stamford Bridge and do everything in our power to keep playing in this historic stadium. Those are direct quotes from that. Uh, And the big thing now that is kind of changing the tide of this takeover bid is that deal with Stamford Bridge. Because a lot of a lot of this that is decisive in the actual decision is a vision for Stamford Bridge. Because Stamford Bridge, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but they've had a re, a redesigner, uh, some improvements in the works or supposedly in the works for a long time now, uh, about five years or so. Hasn't happened yet. So a big part of this of this bidding process is finding a club or a owners that will actually invest in improving Stamford Bridge and redevelop it uh, into into what people are envisioning, which you know it seems like the ricketts consortium is the top the top bidder for that uh now I, I will also say that uh there there are some other issues with the other uh the other two bids that i've discussed spe- specifically the pagliuca bid uh he actually has shares in Atalanta, so he needs to uh he needs to divest or dilute those shares in order to purchase chelsea uh, which is a bit intriguing, you know, my two teams combining there yeah. uh, for a second. And the Bully and Wiss Consortium haven't made an improved bid. Uh, that, that was a big thing as well, because the Rain uh, Consulting Group opened up an opportunity to make uh, increased bids. And the consensus now is that the minimum asking price, do you, want, do you want to take a guess, AJ, at what the minimum asking price for Stanford, or not for Stanford Bridge, for Chelsea as a club is?
0: Oh, man. Uh, I'm gonna guess it's like multiple billions of dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah, multiple billions multiple.
0: and. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, valuation probably. I'm gonna go with uh five billion.
1: Okay. Uh, half that, but okay. <laughs> still, uh, still yeah. two point five billion. That's that's, that's that's good. That's good. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. it is a lot of money. Uh, so the the Bullion Whisk Consortium. Haven't made an improved bid yet, okay. which is intriguing. They're still considered one of the front runners, but uh, it will be interesting to see where this goes, especially since, you know, that say no to Ricketts uh, protest that was outside Stamford Bridge. I was expecting a lot more people there, but only 50 to 100 people is not as impressive, especially when you consider the Super League protest that happened uh, in April last uh, almost exactly a year ago, actually. So. Uh, but it's going to be interesting rain. The rain group is trying to finish this sale by the end of April and they want to select a bidder by the second week of April. So that's coming up soon. That's going to be within the next week or so. Uh, it's going to be intriguing to see who they pick for it. I'd say that the two that, that any of those three really have a chance, but I think the Ricketts consortium unfortunately has the best chance Which uh, I'm a little concerned about. Uh, Bruce Buck, the chairman of Chelsea, he's American as well, has apparently been privately advocating for them, which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, Uh, especially like I know, I know that uh, you know the the whole thing with the with what whatever Rickett it is, Joe Ricketts, uh, with his emails, right? Not a huge fan of that especially given, you know, you know, any kind of language like that is not good. Uh, but I, I don't know. I've, I've, I don't feel like any of these owners are all that good. But then again, I think about it. And when have you ever heard a single football fan, football, soccer fan wax lyrical about their owner or like their owner?
0: I can think of one off the top of my head and that's right. it. And that's what, what, how Leicester City with theirs.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go. That, that, that's true. That's very true. But Uh, again, the fact (laughs) that,
0: the fact that it takes like, uh, an owner that has literally like put their heart and soul, uh, to the club, uh, an owner who unfortunately, uh, lost his life and that kind of added to the legacy of, you know, his, his son and his family taking over the fact that it takes that much like power for an owner to, uh, be liked within a football club speaks volumes about how you know poor the entire like footballing world is of a a good owner Chelsea Chelsea even even before uh, Abramovich had to sell the club wasn't like the best owner in terms of morals West Ham also comes to mind and then you have the myriad of American owners so you're right it's not like I I I don't really have a a a horse in the race. So I can't really like be against Ricketts or or I guess I can be against Ricketts, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was gonna I,
1: say <laughs> I I guess I
0: don't really have like a preference over like the couple of ownership groups that are available. But you're right that there kind of is no winning here, no matter who gets it. There's just a lesser of two evils or three evils, even though one of them is definitely a little bit to a lot more evil than the others so
1: yeah yeah Um. I all 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 that I really want is like you know I, I want them to actually not necessarily commit like a ton of money all the time to the club right like I don't care as much about that I care if they're going to actually support the club in everything not just the men's team right because we've seen that with other clubs right like Liverpool for example comes to mind they don't really support their women 's team at all um, or at least not to the same level as other as other clubs do Chelsea has been different they they support their women's team a lot and uh you know it's they've contributed a lot of money to it and i I want that to continue for sure I want them to uh, i' As much as I hate to say it, I like the promise to not join a European Super League by the Rickets. I would love yeah. to see the other bidders come out with similar types of promises like that, you know, just to just in the sake of transparency. Right. Because it's strange that we haven't seen any other backlash really towards these other two bidders when honestly, they're not all that much better. They're all they're There's not really any single good bidder for right. uh I know a lot of fans were championing championing like the Saudi media group and I didn't get that for sure. Uh, So I I don't know where that where, where I'm going with this really. Other than that, that's just the information that we have at this point in time. It will probably be resolved within the next week. We'll know who the preferred bidder is uh, and who is going to be selected to go through that process with the aim for the sale to be completed at, by the end of April. And hopefully, and this is what I actually care about most, the contract situations get resolved. Because Chelsea have already pretty much lost Andreas Christensen to Barcelona. And I would really like it if we don't lose Rudiger as well. We've, we've kept Azpilicueta thanks to a, a, a contract, a little contract tool, where if he reached 33 appearances, I think it was, uh, in a season, he automatically got another year extension. So Yeah.
0: I mean... You're right, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be uh, concluded soon, because watch go tick, 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 I suppose. So <laughs> hopefully that gets resolved. Hopefully it ends up well for Chelsea fans and the club as a whole, even though as a West Ham fan, it would be nice to see Chelsea get knocked down a peg. I happen to very much enjoy the 2015-16 season when uh, they were flirting with relegation for like the first like couple match days there. That was uh. a lot, a lot of fun, I'll be honest. I'd oh, love man. to see that again. <laughs> uh, but actually, Christian Pulisic's there now, so I guess I can't say that. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, you really, you really want to see uh, the the savior of American soccer uh, be relegated? Well, no, can't believe it.
0: I'd love to see him get uh, transferred over to Barcelona, and then Chelsea can fail nah. all, all they want.
1: Nah, never. Barcelona won't use him properly. Nah.
0: Nah. And Chelsea are... Uh, Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Well, you
1: see, if (laughs) you you consider it, uh, if you consider that, you know, uh, yeah.
0: When you consider that his best position is actually right wing back. uh, Yeah. Come plan, (laughs) plan. If we
1: theoretically think that his best position is right wing back, you know, if you really, if you really imagine it, if you really imagine it, maybe it it becomes the truth.
0: If you squint your eyes and tilt your head a little bit, it's it's correct. It's correct. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, ho- hopefully for Jack's sake, it gets resolved soon because I-, I I think one of his teams need to win here soon because it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, not looking great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that is it for today's episode. We were going to talk about some of the uh, big games that have happened, but, you know, World Cup draw, that'll kind of dominate the headlines. And of course, we have to talk about that. Uh even though unfortunately we'll have to talk about At- Atlanta losing and being bad some other time
1: do we have to is do the question i don't think so
0: i all i'm saying is that they were like pretty good uh contenders for top 4 yeah and now they're like as it stands right now out of they're the european seven. spots yeah. altogether
1: well they could get into the conference league
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. hey you can join <laughs> west ham there that'll be fun
1: oh yeah. hey maybe maybe a repeat of the Actually, no, Atalanta is going to win the Europa League. So they're going to qualify to the Champions League that way. It's fine.
0: Oh, yeah. It's well, fine. actually, I think about it. Yes, yeah. Uh, West Ham won't be in the Conference League. So we're going to win the, the Europa League you know, Champions League. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Thank yeah, you for yeah, reminding okay, yeah, me. Yeah. Yes, yes.
1: All
0: right. <laughs> All right, Jack, where can people uh, find us on social media to talk about how wrong we are about the World Cup draw?
1: They can find us on Twitter at final third show. Uh, check us out on there. You can, you can look at all of the barrage of tweets we sent out telling people to just be happy uh, about, about qualifying to the world cup. You can see uh, reactions to the world cup draw for, as they happen. You can see uh, reactions to the champions league games as they happen, uh, because those are coming up again this week. Champions league is back. Uh, and. Yeah, just follow us on Twitter, because we, we post a lot there, and we, we, we put time into those tweets sometimes. Yes. So, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, someti- and sometimes you can, you can witness us post the same thing at the same time, and it's, and it's pretty funny to see. So, there you go. That's another reason to follow us on Twitter, Absol- at Final Third Show. Absolutely.
0: FinalThirdShow.com as well, if you want a one-stop shop for everything about the podcast, where to listen to us, where to follow us on social media, everything, definitely go check that out. And yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll have a, a Thursday deep dive. I, I, I hope at least, I believe. I'll be out of town this next weekend, so hopefully I'll, I'll find enough time to, to, to grace the podcast and my amazing presence. Yeah, so uh, we'll see you guys this Thursday for that deep dive episode. We'll see you guys next Monday, same time, same place for another news and predictions episode. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. And yeah, we'll see you there. See ya. Bye for now.